Hi, this is Pastor Joshua Morocco, and you are listening to our King's Central Podcast. I hope you get encouraged. I hope the Word of God brings transformation to your life and empowers you. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the Word. Take your Bibles as you're standing. Turn with me to Genesis 18. Let's read the Word of the Lord. Give honor to the Lord as we stand together and read. I'm reading from the New International Version at this service. Starting to read at verse 22 of Genesis 18. Genesis 18, verse 22. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike, for be it far be it from you, will, you not, will not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, If I find fifty righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Now shoot on down to verse 32. Then he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just one more, once more. What if only ten can be found there? He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. Now turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings 18. And I want us to start to read at, first, at verse 41. 1 Kings. 18, verse 41. Let's read the word of the Lord together. If you found it, say amen. Amen. Boy, you guys are better than me. Oh, it's on the wall. Boy, that's easy to read. I'm looking for those little numbers. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go and eat and drink, for there is a sound of a heavy rain. So so Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant, and he went up. And looked, there's nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you, O Holy Spirit, not only have authored the word, but you now take the word that is preached and you burn it deeply in our hearts. You show us how to live, and so I'm asking, Lord, today, by the power of your spirit, you would use me to speak your word in such a way that the words that come forth will be your word, and that life will flow in every hearer of your word today, whether it's here in person, out in the cars, or in the streaming videos. Lord, I'm asking today 
that you, O Holy Spirit, would come upon all of us. Come on, people, pray in the Holy Ghost for just a moment. Spirit of the living God, come in power. Oh, come on, let's pray. The Spirit of God wants to manifest himself to us and through us today. So Holy Ghost, come. Open our ears that we will hear. Open our eyes that we would see. Open our hearts that we would respond to you. And when we leave today, may we leave changed by your power. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I want to talk today on a special message God laid on my heart as I was traveling this week. The title of my message is, May the Intercessors Arise. You know who the greatest intercessor is? It's God himself. God is the greatest intercessor. We see that God the Father is an intercessor in Isaiah 59, 16. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his own arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness. It sustained him. Wow. But not only God the Father is the great intercessor, but God the Son. You'll notice in Romans 8.34, Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Wow. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in Romans 8, 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Oh, I'm thankful that God is the great intercessor. He not only intercesses for us, but intercedes through us. Hallelujah. You see, God invites us to join him in his ministry of intercession. You say, well, pastor, what in the world is intercession? What it is is when one stands in the gap in prayer. In Ezekiel 22, verse 30, it said, I looked for a man among those who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap. Everyone say it with me. And stand before me in the gap. Say it again. And stand before me in the gap. On behalf of the land, so that I would not destroy it, but I found none. The greatest sadness that God has is when he longs to show mercy, but there's no intercessor that would intercede. You say, Pastor, I don't understand. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he taught them to pray this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. There's much that God wants to do on earth. 
that which he's already accomplished in heaven, he wants to accomplish here on earth. But he must have someone he flows through. You say, I don't understand why. Why can't God just do whatever he wants to do? Well, here's the problem. God's a God who is just. And God gave mankind, Adam and Eve, dominion of this planet. But when Adam and Eve believed Satan and not God, they surrendered their dominion to Satan. Satan became the prince and power of the air. Jesus called him such. He has power over this world. Now how in the world does a righteous God, a just God, who doesn't break his own laws, work on our behalf in a world like this that belongs now to Satan because of sin? He finds somebody that wants to do God's will more than their own and who comes into relationship with God and then in their prayers allows God then to work in our world because they have now become an intercessor. It's a very unusual thing. I don't understand it all myself, but I know of a number of issues, a number of situations where people have been awakened in the middle of the night and God said, pray now for this person. One of those was my own brother-in-law, Bob Mason, great missionary. He was in the, he was in the jungles of the Amazon Valley. He was in a very dangerous place. It was the middle of the night. He had to get on a little dugout canoe to get out of that area. There were piranha in the river. It was a very, very dangerous situation. They, they didn't have any lights. He looked at his clock. It was one o'clock in the morning. He trudged his way, and by God's mercy, he got out of that area. Months later, he was in a meeting, and a woman came up to him and said, Brother Bob, God woken me in the middle of the night and had me pray for you. It was at this time, on this day, where were you? He looked at his calendar. It was at the very moment he was in that jungle that God awoken somebody to be an intercessor so God could move on Bob's behalf. That's not an unusual thing. One of the great, great preachers in Latin America. He's known, he was known all over Latin America through radio. His name was Hermano Pablo. When I was a young man in college, I heard him preach and he shared this story about his life. He was traveling in Latin America and he came across, he was riding in this vehicle and the vehicle came around this corner. It was a very dangerous corner because you couldn't see it was on the side of a mountain. You couldn't see what was coming uh, on the other way. And somehow a car, when he came around that corner, was in his lane. And the only way he could avoid it was he, he, he drove off of the cliff and, and the car slammed off of the cliff all the way down. It was a miracle it didn't burst into flames, but he was hurt and he was hurt very badly. It was about a three-hour ordeal before he could get to the place where he could get help. Months later, he was in a meeting, and a person came up to him and said, Brother Hermano Pablo, at this time, on this day, God put a burden on my heart to pray for you. So I prayed for three hours until that burden lifted. What happened? It was the exact time, the exact three hours 
that he was, his life was in the balance. And God raised up an intercessor. Now listen to me. How many times has God called for an intercessor? We rolled over and went to sleep. And then we blamed God. Because things didn't happen the way we thought they should. Don't go blaming God. Could it be there was an intercessor that failed? All of us are here because somebody prayed for us. The ministry of intercession, the standing in the gap. You know that picture in Ezekiel 22 is a powerful picture. It's the picture of a a city and somehow the opposing army has punched a hole in the wall and there's a man who sees that hole and he runs to, to defend that place so the army can't get in. The greatest need in the body of Christ today is the intercessor. So I talk today on may the intercessor arise. There are many examples of intercessors in the scripture, but I've chosen two today. The first one is Abraham in Genesis chapter 18. You'll notice that God hears the cry of the abused, those who have been treated unjustly, the broken. He heard the cry of the people that were so abused in Sodom. And he decided to do something about it. Sodom was filled with horrendous sexual immorality. And horrendous sexual immorality is always followed by social immorality. You say, what are you talking about? We're talking about horrible pride and greed and hardness of heart toward others. The horrible dehumanization of people. Once you become a victim of sexual immorality, it is very easy for you to lose your sense of personhood. And people become things rather than people. Things to use rather than people to love. And a holy God must judge evil, so he's about to destroy Sodom. However, he happens to mention it to Abraham. He's appearing to Abraham with two angels. And it says in our text that Abraham stands before the Lord. It is a picture of the intercessor. And you'll notice what Abraham's concern is. It's seen in verse 23. Is, it's whether God would kill the innocent along with the guilty. His concern was preserving the righteous. That was Abraham's concern. The question of judgment is not up for debate. Sodom deserved judgment. But Abraham is appealing to God's mercy. Think about it for a moment. Isn't that what prayer is all about? None of us deserve answers to prayer. It's all God's mercy. Even when Epaphroditus had, had, was in prison with Paul, he was the representative of the Philippian church who came to bring an offering to Paul while he was in prison. He got sick. 
And God in his mercy, Paul said, healed him. In his mercy. Every answer to prayer is the mercy of God. And it's fascinating how Abraham testifies, testifies of his belief in God's integrity. How he phrases things by saying, Shall he who judges all the earth give right judgment? You see, he's saying, God, you're a righteous God. And he goes on to say, look, he's saying, God, you're the God who is more concerned about the few that are innocent than about the many who are wicked. You're concerned about the righteous. So on the basis of that, he begins to ask God seriously, if there's only 50, will you destroy the city? If there's only 50 righteous, will you destroy the city? God said, no, I won't destroy And Abraham gets him all the way down to 10. Wow. It reminds me of being in the markets in the Philippines where you have to argue down the price of what you're going to buy. He brings God down to 10. Now, I want you to understand something about this. How is it that God was willing to say to Abraham, if there's only 10 righteous, I will not destroy the city? You you have to realize something. This is unusual. Because in Jeremiah 31, verses 29 through 30, it says, everyone will die for his own sins. And even there in Ezekiel 14, 14, even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in the city, they would would only save themselves by their righteousness. Think about that. Or what Ezekiel says in Ezekiel 18, 4, the man who sins is the one who will die. So how is it that God would go all the way down to ten righteous people. It was because of Abraham's intercession. When we intercede, we place ourselves in a position to declare the justice of God, the wonder of God, His mercies. He waits for us to ask. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, he who knocks, fine, and, and it goes on. You say, why, why is that? Why does God say that? It's because, listen to me, he is merciful, but we must tap into his mercy. And that's what happens when we ask. That's why the Bible says you have not because you ask not. One of the things I grieve the most about yes, I grieve over the sin of our world, but what grieves me even worse is the prayerlessness of God's people. 
God has given us everything in a relationship with Him if we but pray. We're so busy. We're so distracted. We can't even make that a priority in our life. Abraham is a picture to us of one who interceded. And then we see in 1 Kings 18, 41 through 44, Elijah. Now you know the story of Elijah. This comes in the context of Elijah had prayed a short little prayer and fire came down from heaven and burned up the sacrifice. And in that one event, the God of Israel was seen as real and Baal was seen as false. It's interesting to me that James, the brother of Jesus, in his book of James in the New Testament, in chapter 5, verses 13 through 17, talks about Elijah. In fact, to him, Elijah becomes the model of the power of prayer. And when you read that passage, you'll notice that we are called as believers to baptize everything in prayer. For example... If you are in trouble, pray. If everything's going great and you're happy, praise God, which is a form of prayer. If you're sick, have others, have the elders pray for you, anointing you with oil. Pray for each other that you may be healed. In fact, you'll notice as you read that passage that Elijah stopped the rain and then he also prayed to make it rain. And... Uh, we have that powerful verse of Scripture, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It's the picture of Elijah's praying. It's amazing to me. He prayed fervently. You say, how do you know he did that? Well, look at how he prayed. Give me a break. He prayed with his head between his knees. I can't even do that. If I tried, I'd split my pants and I'd never be able to get back up. That's how he prayed. You say, well, wow, what a strange way to pray. It was a picture of birthing a miracle, his prayer. He understood this is not some little game. You know, sometimes people say, well, why did he pray like that? He only prayed one small prayer and fire came down from heaven. There's times when one prayer and God gives you the faith to believe it's going to happen, bang. There are other times you persevere in prayer. And what you'll notice here is that Elijah is a picture, a picture of how important prayer is in all of our lives. I want you to think about this just for a moment. What does God call his house? A house of what? A house of prayer. Now, what is amazing to me is that I think preaching the word is very important. How many believe that's true? Sure. We're here to be instructed by the Lord. And I'm, I, I think praising God and singing songs of praise is very important. It's a part of worship. I believe giving is important. It releases the resources of God for our own lives as well as advances God's kingdom. But if you define the house of the Lord, it's a house of prayer. That's why we take so much time in our services to pray. That's why before the first service started this morning, there were over 120 people here praying. 
120 people at 6 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes it's 140 and 150 people gather in this place to do one thing, to pray. That's why we take time in the service to pray. If you think we're doing something, just go to Korea. I've stood on the stage with a million people praying. You couldn't see one end from the other. They prayed for a couple of hours. They don't pray meditating on their navel. They pray full voice. They take the word fervent as a real word. That's why I have a bell up on my pulpit. If you've seen my bell, in fact, I only get to ring it once in a while. In case you don't know, I have it. It's my bell. You say, why do you have a bell up there, Pastor? When my wife and I went to Korea first time, back in 1984, we were sitting in the we were sitting way up at the top of a 15,000-seat auditorium with another 15,000 in smaller rooms. And they have a part of the service called the Concert of Prayer. And everybody in the service knows about it. When it comes to that, everybody lifts their voice in praise. My wife said it sounds like the Niagara Falls, thunder of many waters, as it talks about in the book of Revelation. They lift their... Nobody's just sitting there kind of sleeping like they do in America. That's what they're doing. Full voice. Our mouths dropped open. Our eyes bugged out. We said, oh God, we don't know anything. And they would go on like that until, until the bell rang. The pastor would bring the bell. They'd all quiet down. They'd go on with the rest of the service. So I figured, i got to get one of those bells. The problem is, in America, you ring bells to wake people up, not to shut them up. I've only got to use it twice in my whole ministry here. Twice! Of all the years. I'm hoping that will change. You'll notice that Elijah, Elijah was a powerful prayer person. And then that brings us then to what God is speaking to us today. You know why I picked out Abraham and Elijah as the models for intercessory prayer? I don't know if you've noticed this, and you wouldn't normally notice it, and I've never heard anybody preach on it. But if you look closely at the texts, both of them represent perseverance in prayer. Both Abraham and Elijah persevered in prayer. Both prayed seven times. It was, if you count how many times Abraham interceded for the people of Sodom, it was seven times. If you'll notice how many times Elijah put his head between his knees and prayed. It was seven times. If we are going to be the intercessors as a church that God's called us to be, there has to be perseverance. It's not, well, I think I'll pray once, uh, and if it works out okay, maybe I'll pray again. No, 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 no. It becomes a lifestyle. 
It becomes a lifestyle. It becomes something you do, and it's a part of your life. Your life revolves around your prayer time. You'll notice that in Luke 18, Jesus tells the story, and it's a parable. And what's interesting, he tells it for this purpose, that men should always pray and not faint. He's talking about persevering prayer, and he tells the story of a little widow woman who was trying to get justice from an unjust judge. Now, a widow who has known resources cannot get justice from a judge that you have to bribe to get justice. She had nothing. She had no social status. She had no money. She had nothing. But there was one thing she had. Perseverance. Every time the judge got out of bed and walked to his office, there she was. Ah! I woke up that person in the back row there. <laughs> Give me justice! Give me justice! She'd wait outside his office door, and when the day came, he'd look out the window and he'd see her, then he'd go, no. So he'd try to sneak out the back, but when he, he got in the back, there she was. Give me justice! She'd follow him all to his house, screaming, give me justice. She would, she would wear a sign, give me justice. She would pick at his house, give me justice. If you turn there, you'll notice something that's very fascinating. It's found in Luke 18. And Jesus, you know, Jesus is just telling a story to make a point. But he says this, he says, uh, the unjust judge said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. Now, listen to what Jesus then says. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. He said, if an unjust judge, because of a persistent woman, would give her justice, surely God, who loves you, hears the cry of your heart. And if you will persevere, you will receive what God has desired to give you and what you have cried out for. Wow. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, don't give up. Uh, that's, that wasn't persuasive. One more time, turn to your neighbor and say, don't give up. Secondly, I believe God is saying that both Abraham and Elijah had a confidence and boldness which rested on their understanding of the character of God. John talks about this in 1 John. I want you to take your Bibles just for a moment because there's two passages in 1 John that I want you to underline and draw your attention to because they'll change your life if you actually hear what is being said. The first one is found in 1 John 3, 21. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. 
and receive from him anything we ask. We receive what? What do we have to have? Confidence before God, right? And he says, because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. Now listen to me. If you are obeying God in every area of your life, and what the deepest desire of your heart is to please him, whatever you ask for, he'll give it to you. Our problem is obeying his commands and doing what pleases him. In 1 John 5, you'll notice another verse that has the same phraseology. And it's interesting to me because he says this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what, he has asked, what we have asked of him. This is the confidence. When you look at Abraham and Elijah, there was a confidence, a boldness. In fact, that actual word in the Greek language in the New Testament is, is paresia. And what is amazing about that pretty, that beautiful word, it's found not only here in this text of John, it's found also in Hebrews 4.16. We can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Paresia. Now think about this for a moment. It means boldness. It means confidence, but it also means freedom of speech. It's saying because of a relationship, because you know the character of God, you come to him with all your heart. But thirdly, their intercession was effective. And I want you to write this in your notes. Because they believed God. They had faith. Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it and you'll have it. Sometimes our prayers aren't very faith-filled. I've shared the story often of of my early days of ministry, I was a young man. I'd read in my father's Bible these words, if a minister of the gospel doesn't pray two hours a day, he's not worth a dime. So I committed myself. And I was in my early 20s. I said, that's what I'm going to do for my whole life. And that's been my, that's been my plan. And uh, so there was a young man. Uh, he was a little older than me. He'd been married for a while. And he was, uh, his wife was an unbeliever. And we would pray together at the church. This is when I was pastoring in California, and, and I remember we would pray, and we'd pray hard, and, and he told me about how his wife wasn't saved and how she had no interest in getting saved, and he happened to mention to me about the fact he was going to go to this gospel concert, and I said, hey, let's pray that your wife will go with you and get saved. I mean, no, that's a good prayer, but I made a mistake. I said, do you believe that could happen? He said, no. I wish he'd stopped right there, but then he asked me the question, do you believe that'll happen? I said, no. <laughs> we scratched the prayer. Worthless! God's not interested in how many words you say. He's interested in finding out if the words reflect what you honestly believe. Their intercession was effective. Our intercession can be effective. But we must ask and we'll receive. We must seek and find and knock and it'll be opened. 
Jesus said in John 14, 14, You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now I'm going to ask you a question. Everybody stop for just a moment. This message is almost over. What if we raised up a massive army of prayer intercessors? What could God do through us? This event in Arizona was a leaders event from leaders all over the nation. And people that, uh, it wasn't a big group, but they had uh, denominational presidents, presidents of whole denominations. They had leading pastors. Many of the people from overseas couldn't come, so they were on Zoom. One of the most impacting moments in that whole event, and, you know, it was two days from the morning till evening of various speakers. And, but one of the most moving things for me was a video. It was a streaming video from, from Nepal. Now, I don't know if you've ever had any idea of where Nepal is. That's where Mount Everest is. This particular pastor was a Nepalese pastor whose ministry was in the heights of where Everest was. You're talking, you're talking 25,000 feet and above. He was, he was, you know, because of the Chinese and the internet uh, prowess of the Chinese, they, they, he had an internet connection there in his house. Now what was amazing was he was wrapped up like you would if you were outside, but he's in his home because they don't have the heating. They, <laughs> and so he's wrapped up. His job is a local pastor who travels by foot to these faraway villages in the heights of, of, of Nepal. Nobody would even know his name. And he's on this Zoom call with these leaders. And some of those leaders had gone to Nepal and said, we're going to put churches all through Nepal. This particular group that I was a part of is called the Global Church Network. And here's their mission. Between now and 2030, you say, why 2030? 2030 is the 2000th birthday of the church. The church was birthed in 30 A.D. Jesus was born in 3 B.C. And it's the goal of this group of leaders to see churches all over the, na- all over the world birthed. Billions of people coming to the Lord. And their belief is that between now and the next nine years, the Great Commission will be fulfilled. Jesus says this gospel must be preached to the whole world and then the end will come. And they gave us all a piece of paper and the paper said, how many intercessors can you raise up? And in the next nine years, how many, how many, how, how, how many times will they pray? And, and so when I came back on Friday, I came to the early morning prayer meeting. I'd arrived back Thursday, late Thursday afternoon. I got up early to be at the prayer meeting. And when I began to pray for the world, I didn't pray the normal way we prayed. 
Yes, I prayed for all the KC campuses and the Vision 500, but I began to pray for the global harvest. I began to pray, oh God, raise up pastors. Raise up people in, the, in Nepal that will build churches all through Nepal, a Buddhist nation. God, do it, do it, do it. And, and we began to pray, and, and all of a sudden you began to realize, wait a minute. We're a part of a global thing that God is doing throughout this world before he comes. His deepest desire is that none should perish and all come to repentance. And so I wrote down on my slip of paper, God's going to allow me to raise up a thousand intercessors that will pray for the next nine years, and God's going to do it. I believe KC could have 10,000 intercessors. We're a very large church today. We're thousands upon thousands. But I'm going to start with a thousand. Because I'm looking at a group of people that I know are hearing the word of the Lord today. I believe God could allow us to be a part of the greatest move of God in the history of humanity. We're living at that time. And we're not here to play church. I didn't come to Maui to play church. I came to a little church of a hundred people and now it's thousands and thousands. You don't do, that doesn't happen if you're just playing church. Are you listening to me? It's because all of you have decided, if there's one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to see God's purposes and plans fulfilled in my lifetime. This is the year of fulfillment. It's the word God gave us. I believe we can raise up an army of intercessors. How many believe that could happen? Stand to your feet with me. Come on. Lift your voice. I want you to begin to intercede right now for family members, people that are unsaved. I want you to call their name out to the Lord right now. Come on. I want you to begin to pray. I hope the word encouraged you. Thank you so much for joining us here on the King Central Podcast. God bless you. Walk in power and walk in the fullness of that which God has given you.